purpose to learn it, uh, and, 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 and we had some formal education as well. Now we, we can speak it fluently, we read and write the language, and uh, growing up we saw the culture, uh, what Cambodians are, the way they are. I believe as a missionary, it's not only important to see what people do in a certain country, but I believe it's, uh, it's more important to see the motivation behind why the people are the way they are. Um, because if not, then it's easy for a Filipino to go to Cambodia and see their culture and start comparing. Like, like, like our, our ways are better than, we do it better than you guys, and you should do it this way, you should do it that way. Now, if we're not careful, it's easy to offend them and, and to just uh, uh, chase them away. But, but seeing the more motivation behind why they are the way they are, I believe that's very important. And it gave us wisdom on how to help them understand the gospel in the perspective that they would understand it best. Uh, so that's, the, that's how the Lord trained us growing up in the mission field. And, and, and that's how the Lord called us into, called me personally into the ministry with all this uh, knowledge uh, by the grace of God that we can apply in the mission field. I met my wife uh, in, in Cambodia in uh, 2014. She moved there. Um, we met at my dad's church. And uh, we got married there. Our daughter was born in Cambodia. She hasn't even been to the Philippines yet. Um, but we just consider Cambodia to be our home where the Lord called us. And we have no plans to leave, uh, to leave that or, or go back to our own country. Uh, we just really want, uh, want to be there and reach the people. Cambodia is a, a Buddhist country. Um, as as, as uh, Sir uh, AJ mentioned a while ago, it's not a Christian country. It's a Buddhist country. Um, what's good about Buddhism is that it's not... Um, a hostile religion. So that means to them, Christians are friends. So it's not like Islam who, who would not like us as Christians. But, but Buddhists, they welcome us in their country. It's fine. In fact, their government gives us the freedom to preach the gospel, which is a great blessing because just, just uh, crossing the border to Vietnam is completely different. A communist country, and you would have to go underground to do everything. But Cambodia, we have the freedom to preach. And, and as long as we have that, we want to take advantage of that and give the gospel to as many people as we can. Um, they practice uh, a lot of the religion is uh, they practice uh, ancestral worship. That means they worship their ancestors. Uh, to some of them, they even worship their parents. Uh, they consider their parents to be a demigod. That means a small god. Uh, that, uh, in, in application, kids or children would listen to their parents and anything their parents would say is the law. Can't say no to it at all. You can say no to whatever your parents say, uh, which is something that, you know, uh, we should apply as Christians, you know, have a respect to our parents, not as gods, you know, but, but as authorities that God has placed in our lives. But kids there, they respect elderly, and that's how the way they are because of their Buddhism. Uh, they, they believe in reincarnation. That means when you die, you would literally be born again, like in this earth. You're going to have another life. Um, that's why, you know, they explain deja vu that way because happened in your previous life. Um, they teach you that um, if you become good, a good person now, and then you die, you're going to have a better life during your next life. You can be a richer guy. You can be born in a rich family. You can be a, a man of power, a politician or something like that. So that's what they believe. So imagine growing up being thought that you're going to try to be the best person you can be. That's why Cambodians are kind people, very hospitable, just, just uh, some of the greatest people uh, you'll meet. But again, kindness and being good, that's not the way to salvation. And it's only the gospel that, is, uh, that it has uh, the power of God and to salvation. So um, uh, that is the, just a little bit about Cambodia. So six years ago, the Lord called uh, us into the ministry out of my dad's church to be sent out in a village. Um, 
uh, the Lord placed in my heart to go to rural villages in Cambodia. Um, uh, Cambodia is a poor country, it's a third world country, but rural villages like this one, they're the poorest uh, people in Cambodia. We, uh, we didn't want to go there to take advantage of their poverty, not that at all, but we went there because we want to be a blessing to them. Of course, we're preaching the gospel, that is the main purpose, but we want to be a blessing to them as the Lord bless us with anything the Lord blesses us with, we want to be a blessing to them as well. So we've been going to vill village after village, trying to see where we can start our work. So we went to this particular house. They told us that this house has a Christian couple that owns it. And I was very skeptical when I heard it because Cambodia has 17 million people, but 97% are Buddhist. And somehow in a rural village, they said that there's a Christian couple that owns a property. And I was very skeptical. I went there. I talked to the couple. Turns out they met at the city under a missionary's work. They got married at the church. And then they moved there. So I told them, I'm a missionary. I want to start a work here to preach the gospel to the people. They said, you don't have to explain what a missionary is. We know exactly what that is. Our house is open to you. We'll help you invite people, preach the gospel to them. And they've just been our partners in the ministry. And as I was talking to them that first time, I told the Lord, Lord, you can't be more obvious. This is where you want me to start. You prepared everything. You prepared the couple, this place, and this is where you want us to start. So that's where we started our ministry six years ago. Um, we didn't raise support for the ministry. The Lord blessed me and my wife with full-time jobs. Uh, she's an English teacher at the next biggest town to that, and I'm a principal at that school. And with our salaries, uh, that's what we use for the ministry and our family. And it's also a blessing because uh, in Cambodia, I, I told you they allow us to preach. But they gave us a, a condition. You don't antagonize the people. That means don't give them a reason to run to the government and say that those Christians are bothering us. So you can go door to door, but be careful about it. Uh, you can knock on doors and ask them if they would allow you to speak to them. If not, you don't force, force anything. Uh, just don't give them a reason to complain. So the, the key is to get people to come willingly to a meeting place and preach to them the gospel there. So what we did was we went around the village and we told them, uh, we're English teachers and we want to teach you English for free. Um, that's, that's what we want to do to help you. But we're also missionaries and we want to preach to you the gospel so we can work together. Uh, you come to the meeting place, we're going to preach to you the gospel, we're going to have a preaching service. After that, we're going to go to your separate classrooms and teach you English for free. If, you, if, if that's okay with you guys, then we can work together. That's what we tell the people at the village. And, and, and by the grace of God, we've been averaging, uh, ever since we started that up until now, we've been averaging 60 uh, of attendance every week. Uh, 60, sometimes it reaches 100, depends on what season it is. Uh, but I know that those people are not coming for the gospel. They're not coming uh, what, for what Christianity is. They're coming for the English class. They're coming for the food that we cook. And whatever we can give them, sometimes we can give them school supplies or clothes or, or whatever the Lord blesses us with. They're coming for that. But I also know what the Bible says. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that is a biblical principle. That is a biblical truth. So that is what we apply in that village. Them coming every week, hearing the word of God, hearing the gospel. And the Lord has saved a, a, a few young people over that span of time. And uh, the Lord... We, we get, uh, uh, this is our very first classroom we had. We had our, uh, our first service there. This is our first anniversary in that village. We were able to invite not only our students, but their parents came as well. We were able to preach the gospel to them. Uh, we have uh, uh, young people, Bible study. Uh, that's uh, that is some, some of the things we do there. 
um, and, 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 and these are just some of the folks that, that we have there coming every time. And uh, I just want to go to a, a photo here and, and fast forward. Um, just w- want to show you some of the fruits of the ministry. These three guys, they are part of the uh, first group of young people who came and wanted to study English. When we met them, they had zero English. They, we didn't understand any English at all. They're really good in English now. But that guy in white you see there, his name is Liang. Um, he got saved uh, uh, listening to the Word of God. When he graduated high school, he moved to the city to find a better job. But the first thing he did was find a church where he can serve in. Uh, he, he, he met a young woman there, got married, and now they're going to go back to the village to help us in the ministry. This guy in yellow, we, we met him. He was studying Buddhism. He was going to be a monk. You know, those bald guys with orange uh, things. They're not kung fu fighting all the time, but, but they're studying Buddhism. So that's what we, we, we met him. I gave him a Bible, English and Cambodian, and he found out just by reading the Bible and comparing Buddhism and Christianity that Christianity makes more sense. That's what he told me. And, and, and I was able to do Bible study with him. He got saved, surrendered to be a pastor. He's now in his third year of pastoral training. While we're here, he's the one handling the ministry. He's preaching every week, and he's the one uh, doing the Bible studies there. Such a great uh, blessing to have. So that is the ministry. Uh, it's been growing. Uh, we, we actually had to rent an extra place uh, just to fit uh, all our classrooms. Uh, uh, that's him, by the way, uh, uh, preaching over there. And um, we're here in the U.S. for the first time to raise support for the ministry. After six years, the Lord has uh, a place in our hearts to be full-time in the ministry. Um, we love our jobs, and, uh, but I know that if we'll be able to stop working and, and just go in that village full-time, the Lord can do so much more, and we can reach so much more local people, train them, and have them start their own ministries and reach their own people. Uh, so the government gave us six months to go on deputation, if you would see our display there. We've been here since November, and the 26th of April, we're going to fly out of the U.S. Um, we have now uh, around 75% of our support coming in. Uh, that's not updated. I'm sorry, that's 50% there. But we already have 75% of, of the support we're raising coming in. Some, uh, there's still some that are promised to us, and we're praying for that. Uh, so we're raising uh, uh, only uh, $2,500 a month to, to be fully supported into that ministry. And uh, we're almost there, and I believe that the Lord will supply for that uh, the rest of the trip that we have. Um, we are racing, we were, we were racing for a vehicle. The Lord already supplied for that. A church uh, gave us the full amount for that and, uh, just a few weeks ago. We praised the Lord for that. And we're only now uh, racing our, uh, the money that we use for our plane ticket coming here. Uh, uh, when, when, when we started to come here, we, we didn't have the money for the plane ticket. We were able to borrow it. Uh, we, we're gonna, uh, we're, and uh, by, the, by the grace of God, we're going to pay it back uh, when we get back to Cambodia. We're still racing for that. We have two more weeks two, three more weeks to do that, I believe the Lord will use His people here in the U.S. to provide for that. So please do pray for us, the Madlangawa family over there in Cambodia as we continue to deputize uh, for our ministry and that as we, as we continue to uh, raise support for that ministry. And uh, thank you for listening to the presentation. Um, I just want to be an encouragement tonight. Um, I thank the Lord for the opportunity to preach here. I saw the church. I, 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 I got to be honest with you, when I came in those doors, I got very nervous because I'm preaching. It's a beautiful church, a big church, but I know by the grace of God, uh, the Lord can, uh, can uh, bless us tonight with the word of God. If you, would, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, let's, let's go to the book of John, chapter 4. And um, I'll try to f- finish by, by 8, but um, if I somehow go over that, uh, any one of you can shout, Amen, Pharaoh. 
that means let my people go, all right? So if I, if I hear from any one of you say, amen, Pharaoh, that means I only have 30 minutes left and I'll, I'll let you go. Uh, John chapter 4, um, and uh, this is a very famous uh, uh, event in the Bible, in the life of Christ. And uh, I believe even the young people have heard this story many, many times. So we're not going to uh, have to tell the story again and again. But I just want to read uh, verse number 13. And 14, the Bible says in John 4, 13 and 14, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for everyone who's here on a Wednesday night. I pray, Lord, that you use this message, this passage in order to challenge us. And remind us that we are all in the gospel ministry, not just the missionaries who are coming here, and not just the pastors or the leaders, but every single believer should be involved in the gospel ministry. I pray, Lord, that we see in this passage your heart for the lost and that we're going to have the same heart as well. And we just give you back, Lord, all the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I have said, this is a very famous event. Uh, I'm just going to uh, go through the verses here. And then we'll try to see some principles that will definitely help us in our personal gospel ministry. I do believe that all of us should be involved in the gospel ministry. Um, I'm sure you've had a lot of missionaries come here. Uh, I was looking at your Facebook page. You just had your missions conference. And missionaries were, were presenting their work, telling you about what God is doing around the world. And, and it's wonderful to hear those things. But as we hear those things, sometimes we forget that we're in the same business as the missionaries who are standing behind this pulpit. We're in the same business as us, do what we're doing there in Cambodia. We're all, if tonight you claim that you're a believer and that you believe the Lord Jesus Christ, you are part of the gospel ministry. Your job is to give the gospel to lost people. All of us are missionaries. A missionary simply is a man or a woman who has given his life to the Lord and has told the Lord, Lord, I am both willing and able to give the gospel to anyone that you allow me to, to meet in my life. That is what a missionary is. And with that definition, I mean, all of us should be missionaries. I mean, aren't there lost people in your school? Aren't there lost people in your workplace? Aren't there lost people in your own families? And if there are, you are God's missionary to them. You know, the Lord gives us uh, all everyday gospel opportunities. All, we all have that daily. I mean, sometimes we think that we meet people. The Lord allows us to meet people, sometimes just to be our friend, sometimes just to be our co-worker. But if we are faithful gospel ministers, we would think first that the Lord allowed us to meet them because they're in need of the gospel. You know, we miss those gospel opportunities because we're not aware of them. We miss those gospel opportunities. We're not aware of them because they're not on top of our priority list. Uh, we're, we're not armed. We're not uh, uh, um, uh, able. We're not always ready to give the gospel anytime that the opportunity gives itself. But I want to encourage you tonight that the Lord Jesus Christ lived a life of gospel opportunities. And all his gospel opportunities, he took advantage of them. Not a single one was wasted. Such as John chapter 4. Uh, let's start at verse number 3. Just follow me with your Bibles. He left Judea, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, and departed again into Galilee. So it simply says that Christ left Judea and is going to Galilee. What is Galilee? Galilee is the place where he, he did most of his ministry. So he's going there to simply do the will of the 
father. Now, uh, the Bible says in verse number 4, and he must needs go through Samaria. He must needs go through Samaria. I'm sure that we've heard a lot of preaching with that verse alone. I mean, us preachers, we love preaching at that verse. So, there's so much truth in it. I, mean, I, I can just preach on that verse tonight, but I'm not going to do that. But just for us to appreciate more, uh, appreciate that verse more, you have to think back. What just happened before this, this event? What just happened? What just happened is that John the Baptist was just cast in prison. Uh, 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 the news was fresh. The Lord Jesus Christ heard about it, and he knew that he might be next. Why? Because John the Baptist was pointing to him. And if he was cast in prison, then people must be looking closely at his ministry. And they are. I mean, a lot of the people that follow the Lord Jesus Christ around, they're not following him for the gospel. They're not following him to know uh, more about him. You know, a lot of them are following him just to, just to see him mess up. That's, that's why they're following him. Especially the religious leaders during those times. They're following him maybe to see him uh, make one, just one wrong decision. Just say one wrong thing. And then and it will give them the courage to stand up and say, Aha, I knew he was a fraud. I knew he was not who he says he is. You know, that is your life and my life as well. I mean, even, even if, if, if the U.S. is considered to be a Christian country, you know, a lot of people are skeptical of, of what you guys are as believers. They're looking at you. I mean, they're, 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 they're keeping a close eye on you, waiting for you to say something wrong. Waiting for you uh, to, to do something wrong, to make a wrong turn, uh, to make a wrong decision. And they will say, I knew those Christians are different from me. We're just the same. We don't need their God. We're, we're all the same. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew that. He knew that people are looking closely at him. And then he just casually decided to go through Samaria. That's what he did. I mean, people are looking at him. They're looking for a breaking news. Jesus Christ went through Samaria. Well, that's a big deal, by the way. Jews, during this time, they never go through Samaria. Simply because they hate those people. They hate the Samaritans. The Samaritans are half Jews and half something else. I mean, the Jews hated the Gentiles already. They hate the Romans. But they hated Samaritans even more. They treat them as dogs, as filthy human beings. That's what they see Samaritans. In fact, if a Jew had to go through Samaria, once they go through the, the, the place, they would clean up themselves and make sure they, they, get, they get rid of the filth of Samaria. That's how they hate those people. Have you ever hated someone that way? I know, I know your, your mind is raising. Think about the, the, per, the person you hate the most. But that, that, that is how the Jews felt about those people. But Christ said, I'm going to go through Samaria. I, he, he didn't care about what people would say. He didn't care about what people would, you know, tell everyone else. He just had to go through Samaria. We know the reason why. Uh, because he needs to meet a woman and give the gospel to her. But there's also a practical reason why he wanted to go through Samaria. Simply because it's the shortest route to where he's going. That's, that's, it's the shortest route. If he had to go around Samaria, it would take him longer. But if he just went through Samaria, that would be the shortest route. So, so he went there. And, and, and uh, the Bible says here, Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Verse 6 says, Now Jacob's well was there. Now, the Bible doesn't give us verses for no reasons at all. That verse, those verses are there uh, just to give us more details to appreciate what is happening. Now, what is important with that verse? That verse tells us that even though Samaritans are hated by Jews, the Samaritans still recognize the faith of the Jews. 
because they recognize that the place, that place in, uh, called Sychar, is a, that place particularly, that well is a holy ground. The well is a holy well, and that well was given to them by Jacob, which is the forefather, uh, one of the patriarchs of the Jewish faith. So to them, that's important. Uh, even though Jews hate us, we recognize Jacob. We recognize this well that he has given us. Um, the Bible says here, Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Another great detail. The sixth hour, we all know that is the noontime. That is the hottest part of the day. Uh, that simply means that Jesus Christ was walking, walking, traveling, and it was very hot, the Bible says, and he just had to stop and rest for a bit. That's, that's what that verse means. You know what, what, why that verse is wonderful? That verse reminds you and I that Jesus Christ is 100% man. He's a man. I mean, just like you and I, we're not going to walk in the hottest part of the day. I mean, nobody walks at, at any time anyway. But during this time, they had to walk, but they would not walk at the sixth hour. It's very, it was very hot. So he had to sit down, rest a bit, drink some water, eat some food, and then resume his journey. And, and, and that just reminds us that. Uh, verse uh, number 7. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, give me to drink. Jesus said unto her, give me to drink. Verse 9, let's keep verse 8. Verse 9 says, Then says the woman of Samaria unto him, How is that thou being a Jew, asketh of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She explained it very well. She said, okay, first of all, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. And during those times, women are looked down upon. You're a man. I'm a woman. Why are you asking water from me? You know, we're, we're so far apart when it comes to the social, social status. You know, uh, uh, if you were in Jesus' shoes, I would ask you, what would you say? You know, you're asking water from her, and then she said all these things. What would you have said? Uh, I know what I would have said. I, could, I would have told her, well, woman, uh, drink first, talk later. Because I'm thirsty. I, I've been traveling. Give me the drink and let's talk after that. But, you know, Christ, as I have told you, he's not one to waste a gospel opportunity. He's not. He recognized this immediately as a gospel opportunity. Are we like that in our gospel ministry? Do we recognize these opportunities? I mean, do we take advantage of, those, of these opportunities? I mean, or, or are we thinking about what people would say if I open my mouth about the gospel? I don't want to be that Jesus freak. I don't want to be that Jesus freak at school uh, that, that, that everyone would, would avoid me and say, I don't want to talk to that guy. He's just going to talk about Jesus Christ. don't want to be his friend. I don't want to be that guy in the office. When, when I go, go in the, the break room, everyone would just scatter because they don't want to hear the gospel. I don't want to be that guy. They would say bad things about me. Are we like that in our gospel opportunity? Or are we shameless in our approach in, the gospel, in, in our gospel ministry? Because Christ, he would take advantage of every opportunity. It's just a normal water talk. I need water. That's it. But Christ uh, immediately recognized this as a gospel opportunity. Now, what did Christ say? Verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. You know, Christ just basically told her, and paraphrasing, If you just know who I am, you're going to ask water from me. If you just know exactly who I am. You're going to ask water from me because I can give you living water. So what Christ is basically saying to this woman, the water that you're going to give me, the water that I have is so much better than the water that you're going to give me. That's what Christ is saying. So imagine if you're the woman hearing that, what would you have said? 
I think we would have said exactly what that woman said. Because what she said in verse 11, the woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? I mean, she didn't understand what Christ was saying. What she said was, okay, sir, you're asking water from me. You don't have anything to get water from this well. And now you're talking about a better water? How are you, you going to give me better water? You can't even get water from this well. What are you talking about? I mean, in verse 12, she took it a step further. She said, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? You know what she said? Who do you think you are? I mean, this well was given to us by our father Jacob. And you come here and you say you can offer me better water than this. Who do you think you are? I mean, you know, when we approach our gospel ministry, we approach different people, we get different responses. Uh, just, just like, I'm sure you've had this kind of response before. Sometimes they're going to be sarcastic about it. Talk about the gospel, they're going to be sarcastic about it. They try to make fun of you. Or sometimes they will be, you know, they'll be offensive. Who do you think you are? You tell me that I am a sinner? What about you? you, you you're saying you're better than me? You're saying your church is better than ours? Uh, who do you think you are? You know, in, in, in the gospel opportunity, we should expect these kinds of responses so that we will not be disappointed. Simply because lost people, the Bible says, do not understand the things of God. When you approach them with the gospel, they would not understand it immediately. Who here can say that uh, I, many times I've approached someone with the gospel, they heard the gospel for the first time, and they completely understood the gospel. That's almost unheard of. I mean, it happens, I'm sure, but not all the time. People do not understand the gospel. I mean, I give you an example in Cambodia. In Cambodia, when you preach the gospel to them, since they are polytheists, they, that means they believe in many gods. To them, the more gods, the more chances I have to be saved. So you, you, you preach to them the gospel. All of them would, you know, if, if you're all Cambodians, and I preach to you the gospel, after the service, you would all tell that I want to receive Christ. All of you. Because it's a good opportunity to add another God to our collection of gods. I'll receive Christ. And then the next week, you guys come, the same group of people, and I'll preach the gospel again. All of you would receive Christ again and again and again. And, and I would tell people, hey, you only receive Christ once. You explain it to them. Oh, yeah, 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 sir, we get it, we get it. The next week, they would receive Christ again. I mean, these people, no matter how, they, how many times they hear the gospel, they just don't get it. I mean, that is what the world is because someone is blinding them. The things of the word is blinding them. Even though the gospel truth is simple enough for a kid to understand, just because of all the blinding work that Satan has done in this world, it's not easy for them to understand. That's why we must be patient in our gospel ministry. That's why we must be gracious and merciful. I mean, if, 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 I was, if you were Christ here and you heard her response, who do you think you are? Are you better than Jacob who gave us this? You don't even have your own uh, 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 pail and, and, and you're telling me that you're giving me better water? I mean, if, if you were Christ, if I were Christ, I would say, all right, if you don't want to have a good conversation, I'll, I'll go to another well. But, but you know, Christ, Christ isn't like that. In verse 15, uh, verse 14, well, 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. He patiently explained to her. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So Christ said, you don't understand, woman. The water that I'm going to give you, if you drink this water, 
You're not going to thirst again. Ever. Do you think she understood now? I mean, you know the story. She didn't understand. Even though Christ explained it, she still didn't understand. Because she said in verse 15, the woman said unto her, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. What, what this woman said, well, you should have started with that. If you just told me that this water has magic powers, that I don't have to come back here to get water, then I, I, would, have, I would have just accepted it a while ago. We, we wouldn't have this argument. You know, this, this, this woman said, give me that water so I don't have to come back here. That's what she said. You know, a detail I forgot to give you a while ago was drawing water during that time is a social activity. I mean, people gather around the well uh, to draw water early in the morning or late in the afternoon for the same reason why the sixth hour is too hot to draw water. So a lot of times women draw water early in the morning. They gather around the well, get water, you know, talk to each other, you know, how, how's, how, how's things at home, this and that. They'll get water, bring it back home. Now this woman, if you notice, she's drawing water at the sixth hour, at the hottest part of the day. You know what that tells you and me? That tells me she doesn't want to draw water when there are other people at the well. She doesn't want it. Now, you know the reason because we know her story. She's a woman who has had five husbands. I mean, and, and the guy she's with now, not even her husband. So she's not really the model kind of woman. She's not really the, the good citizen. Right? She's the topic of the gossip. And maybe she doesn't want to come to the well because everyone will give her that look, the condescending look. Maybe when she arrives at the well, the women would elbow each other. Shh, shh, she's here. Stop talking about it. That, that's this kind of woman. So she's here. So she said, oh, if that water can give me the, the ability not to come back here anymore, that's great. Uh, give it to me. That's what she's telling Christ. So she's, she's ready to accept the water. She's actually asking for Christ to give her the water. Do you think Christ will give her the water now? I mean, does she understand already completely what Christ is saying? Of course not. Because she still understands it at a physical level. She understands it literally, like literally not thirst again. You know, that is a theme in the Bible. Christ usually talks at a spiritual level, and people understood it at a physical level. If you go to John chapter 3, just the chapter before this, remember Nicodemus? Christ told him, uh, you have to be born again. And he said, well, do I have to climb up my mother's womb and be born again? He didn't understand it. I mean, this woman didn't understand it as well. If, if I can drink that water and it's, it's magical, then, then I want it. You know, I mean, I'll go back to Cambodia. People like this woman would receive the gospel because of the benefits that they see in the gospel. I mean, that is true of this world. If the gospel or the church can benefit me, then I'm all for it. If, that's why this woman says, if that water can give me that ability, I'm all for it. I want that water. But you know, there's, a big, big, there's something wrong with that. Because a person who wants the gospel without understanding why they need the gospel will never really truly get what the gospel is all about. Because this woman, I want this water, but she doesn't need, know yet why she needs the water. So Christ will slowly help her understand. So what did Christ say? Jesus said it to her, all right, I'm going to give it to you, but call your husband, bring him here, and I'll give it to you both. I mean, uh, does, does Christ not know the story of this woman? He does. You know, Christ is the master at this. You know, helping you understand what you need to understand. So Christ said, all right, go call your husband and then bring him here. What Christ is doing now is tr trying to help her understand why she needs the gospel. 
Why? Simply because she's a sinner. That, that's it. But Christ will slowly do this. The woman said and answered and said, well, I have no husband. She's telling the truth. What do you think? She, she told Christ, I, I have no husband. I mean, if you just read the verse, she's telling the truth. Because Christ said, uh, Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said. You're telling the truth. You have no husband. But in verse 18, Christ got real, very real. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that, thou saidst truth. You know what Christ said? Yeah, sure, you have no husband, but you've had five, and the guy you're with now, not even your husband. I mean, imagine the conversation. Just got really awkward, very awkward, <laughs> real quick. Because Christ just told her, I know about you, and I know your life, I know your sin. You're a sinful woman. Christ was not afraid to have that, that difficult conversation with this woman, the sin conversation. You know, sometimes that is what's hindering us in our gospel ministry. We don't want to talk to people about their sin. Because just a few verses ago, she's ready to get the gospel, but, but Christ said, no, no, we're not skipping the, the part that you are a sinner, and I want you to realize that. I mean, it's hard to talk to people about their sin. You know why? Because also, I also have a sin. I'm also a sinner. I mean, I'm afraid that this ma the guy I'm, ta I'm talking to will point out my sin. So it's not easy to do that. But Christ is not afraid to have that difficult conversation. People have to understand that they need the gospel because they're sinners and that they're going to hell. They have to understand that. I mean, I I'm sure you've, have, you've, you've done that in your gospel. You approach a person. You ask him, do you believe you're a sinner? Everyone would say, yeah, sure. No one in their right mind will say no. Right, but try to change the question a bit. Just try this in your gospel ministry. Sir, do you believe that you're such a sinner that you deserve to be punished in hell for eternity? You deserve a different response. Oh, oh, oh wait a minute. I'm bad. I, I have committed sin, but I'm not that bad. I haven't killed anyone. I, haven't, I don't do drugs. I mean, I, I, I'm a sinner. I lie here and there, but at least I'm better than my neighbor. But at least I go to church uh, twice a month. I'm good enough to go to heaven. Because uh, if you change the question, if you, you ask them, do you agree with what the Bible says, what kind of sinner you are? You're going to get a different, completely different response. And if a person do not believe that I am such a sinner that I deserve to go to hell, they have no need of the gospel. Why would they believe that someone died for their sins if they don't believe that they're sinners in the first place? Why would they need the gospel if they don't believe they're going to hell? In the first place. So Christ is trying to help her understand. So the woman said unto, her, unto him, how did you know that? Maybe you're a prophet. That's, that's what she said in verse number 19. Maybe you're not just a normal man. Maybe you're a prophet. Are you a prophet? No, she's right. Christ is a prophet. But he's not just a prophet. Uh, uh, but, but again, she deflects. Verse 20. Our fathers worship in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh. You know, you know what, what she said in verse 20? She said, all right, I get what you mean. I, 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 I get you. Yeah, I'm a sinner. And you're telling me, to, telling me about your faith. But in verse 20, she deflects and she said, you know, I have my religion. You have yours. I mean, let's just respect each other. We don't have to argue. Have you heard that response before in your gospel ministry? I've heard that. So many times in Cambodia. I mean, you're Christians, you're good people. We Buddhists, we're good people. Anyway, all road leads to heaven, right? I mean, if you're a Christian and you agree with that, there's something wrong with your theology. 
It's not all road goes to heaven. In fact, the gospel message is the narrowest message you're ever going to hear. It's the, the Bible says he's the only way, the only truth, and the, it's only Christ. Christ is the only way. That's what the Bible, it's a narrow message. And if you, agree, if, if you would simply agree with me, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I mean, you, you also have a good religion. We'll see each other in heaven. It's not true. Because Christ saw that and he cuts right through it. Verse 21, he said, Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We, worship, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. You know what Christ told her? Simply, Christ told her, Woman, I know what you're saying, but at least we know who we worship. You don't even know who you're worshiping. He just blatantly told that woman that you don't even know who you're worshiping in that mountain. Verse 23, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Christ says, woman, it's not about where you worship. It's about who you worship. It's not about that. I mean, you have your religion, sure. I have my religion, sure, but do we know who the true God is? That is what, that is what we're talking about. You know, Christ said it's not about that. I mean, without a true, uh, a true understanding of the person of Christ, I mean, we're all wasting our time. You're, you're here on a Wednesday night. I know there's so, many, so much better things that you can do on a Wednesday night. But, I mean, in the, the world's eyes. But if you're here and we don't know who we're worshiping, we don't know who exactly Christ is, you're wasting your time right now. You're wasting your time. I mean, you could have just stayed home and slept or watched a, a ball game or something. But since we know who we're worshiping and we're worship him, worshiping him in spirit and in truth, man, this time is well worth it. Why? Because we know who we're worshiping. And that is what Christ is telling this woman. So how did this woman respond? She said, the woman said unto him, I'm just going to paraphrase verse 25. This woman said, I've heard about you. I mean, these Jews, they talk about a Messiah that's going to come and will tell us all things. I've heard about you. I, I, I start, I'm starting to recognize who you are now. And I'm going to end in verse 26. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Christ says, you're talking to him. You know, the Messiah that you've heard about, the Savior that you've heard about, that's me. I imagine Christ looked her in the eye and said, that's me. You know, that verse can be, well, what's, what's so special about that verse? You know what's special about that verse? And, I, and I'll end with this point. What's special about that verse is because of the fact of who Christ was talking to. He was not talking to a religious leader. He was not talking to, the, to someone famous. He's talking to a woman that is such a sinner that even her own people didn't like her. I mean, today, if you fast forward to our time, this woman would be the woman that you won't even accept a friend request from her on Facebook. Because she's so bad, I don't want her on my friends list. This kind of woman is the kind of woman that you wouldn't let in your house to have a meal with you. This is the woman that you would see on the streets, high on drugs, life thrown away, nothing good about her. She's the woman that you don't want to be seen in public with. But she's the woman that Christ said, Christ just revealed himself to her. You know what, what, what we can learn from that simply is in the gospel ministry, there should be no prejudice at all. None at all. I mean, we're all human beings. 
We all have our own prejudice. All around the world, there's prejudice. I understand that. But, uh, but I'm praying that by God's grace, when it comes to our own gospel ministries, we throw away all prejudice. All prejudice. You may, you may not like the way they look. You may not like the way they speak. You may not like the way uh, they smell or, or whatever. But hey, Christ died for them too. And, and you, you may think that, hey, this guy's never going to get saved. No, that's not true. Anyone can get saved as long as they're still alive. They still have the chance. You remember that guy named Paul? He said, he said, I am the chiefest of sinners. I am the worst of them. And yet, and yet God saved him and used him mightily in the ministry. Do we have that mindset in our gospel ministry? Do we have that, that, hey, this guy, no matter who he is, rich or poor, good or bad, is in need of the gospel. And I'm the one that's going to give to them the, the gospel to them. Because Christ just showed us, John chapter 4, he revealed himself to a woman that is considered to be the scum of society. He just, he just did that. Telling us that, hey, don't pick and choose who you give the gospel to. Give the gospel to anyone that you can give the gospel to. Before I turn over the pulpit, let me pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for everyone who are here to worship you in spirit and truth. I pray that you, use this, you have used this passage to challenge us. And to realize that the gospel is being given all around the world, but, but hey, it, it should be given here as well. And there are so many people here, even in the U.S., who are in need of the gospel. And, and we should not pick and choose who we give it to, but we should give it to anyone that you allow us to meet, dear Lord. I pray that, that you challenge us to, to continue to be uh, dedicated to our own gospel ministry. For all these things, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.